This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. This is Afternoons with Helen Farmer. On the UAE's number one talk radio station, Dubai Eye 103.8. I'm Helen Farmer and this is the Afternoons with Helen Farmer podcast, bringing you a selection of experts covering legal, career, money and more on today's show. What does it take to succeed in the restaurant business here in the UAE? We were in conversation with industry insider Gabrielle Mather. She is a consultant to restaurants and a bit of an expert diner too. So what are some of the common myths and misconceptions we might hold about opening our very own eatery? What does it take to succeed? She was on hand to help. How many times have you heard someone say, oh, I'd love to open my own restaurant. I'd, oh, I've got a really good idea for a cafe. I reckon I could make money, have you know, work-life balance, I'd serve all my favourite food. It sounds fun, right? But how easy is it in reality? Well, Gabrielle Mather could be on hand to help you this afternoon with a bit of a reality check. She is the CEO and founder of the UA Best Restaurant Secrets, Inc. I need to talk about some of the most common myths that we all might have believed. What restaurant owners should avoid falling for when it comes to opening up a restaurant of their own? Gabrielle, thank you so much for being with us today. It's so nice to have you in the studio. We've spoken before on Zoom and on the phone, but it's great to meet and really kind of pick your brains in this because I think Dubai, we've seen an awful lot of licenses being granted when it comes to opening eateries. But what do we know about the failure rate internationally of people that have decided to take that step, start a restaurant dream, only for it to turn into a nightmare? Hello, Helen. It's so good to be back on your show and first time in your studio. Yay, welcome to my office. Thank you. (laughs) So, yes, I think we don't have published rates in the UAE. So we're going to have to work off um, international status that we, we receive regularly, right? They say it's 20% of um, the, the first year you have 20% failure of any startup. Wow. And uh, within five years, half of what opens up would fail. And in 10 years, you're looking at a 90%. So only 10% of startups all across the board Whoa. will survive. Now, how much of that is F&B? I think F&B receives a large share of publicity when it closes down. And maybe that's why people think the failure rate is higher because the failure rate of an IT company is much higher in statistics and it's uh, well measured, but we don't hear about it because Cause, cause we IT's, don't see it. IT's not as sexy as food. Exactly. No disrespect to any IT professionals out there. <laughs> Let's talk about some of the myths then that, you know, us as kind of general members of the public might, you know, have bought into thinking, do you know what? I've got a great idea. I love eating out. So surely I should be able to, with a bit of business sense, open my own place. <sighs> Make good food and people will come. True or false? Well, a myth is something that people believe in, right? There is truth to it. Of course, you need good food because that's why people go out to eat. It's the food. But it's not the only thing. Mm-hmm. And I think from what I I can safely say, my consulting over almost 20 years, that it always starts with that. It starts with, I can make good food or I can get a chef and that's all I need. Well, it is very important, but it's not a USB and it's not... The only thing you need so much more than that to succeed. What do you think some of the most underrated or you know the, the, the aspects of owning and operating a restaurant that we don't really talk about that are so crucial in staying the distance and maybe even turning a profit? Um, I believe that because it's food, 
the tendency is to think it's a soft business because mm-hmm. we all understand it. Mm-hmm. For example, for me who does not, I'm not tech savvy. So to open something in the IT industry, it scares me because I don't understand it. Even though I use technology, but I don't understand the making of it. But I do understand eating food and making food. So I think that's the first myth that people think it's all about cooking food and selling. What they do not realize it is that it is a hardcore business. And when you enter anything, any kind of business with the misconception or with lack of funds or lack of resources, lack of expertise, when when you're not a master of your trade and when you don't bring the expertise on board, and the worst thing is if you don't have leadership. Mm -hmm. You might have entrepreneurship in you, but if you're not ready to go the extra mile and if you're not going to be a people person, that's where failure happens mainly. And it's not because of not having great food or a great location. Those are important things. But what I've seen is that it's the entrepreneur's own grit. It's, it's determination. It's ready to, the, the, you know, the readiness to fail, the readiness to learn, to pick yourself up, to expect the first year to be a sowing season, not a harvest season. That's the main reason I think people fail. And across the board, whether it's an F&B or otherwise, you know, the the life of a of a entrepreneur is twenty four seven, and especially in food, especially in hospitality, when you are the guys who are, you know, cooking and welcoming on special occasions, on you know high days and holidays, and you know at the beginning you're doing the HR, you're doing the PR in food, you're probably in the kitchen and you know getting your hands pretty dirty as well. It's not it's not something that panders to ego particularly well. Like it's it's ours. It's your word. Great. Yeah. yeah. Um, Leanne's just asking, you mentioned the location word, saying how important is location when it comes to opening eatery? This is something we're exploring. If you could kind of put together a bit of a wish list um, on what makes an amazing location for a cafe or restaurant, what would you be looking for with your expert eye? Location is important, and that's why they keep on saying location, location, location. It's it's a it's an old adage in our uh, industry. Now, location could be a destination. So, you know, getting something in a mall, getting something where people tend to visit easily, where there's footfall, would be a great way to go. But it does not fit every single brand. Some brands need to be exclusively located. So matching your brand, your concept, and your target market with the right place is the secret. So if you're targeting uh, people that spend a certain amount of money, then obviously you would have to choose a location in that area. Now, if you take that same amazing restaurant, you build everything into it, but then you take it to the area where a, a much more modest market is, uh, you know, favors that place, then you might land up wondering, why did I fail when I did everything right? So location per se is important, but it should match your concept. It should match your uh, your expected turnover because your rent is a huge part. It's one of the biggest part of your expenses. And if you don't get that right, and if you're not able to make money in that place, then the rent lands up becoming the largest problem that you've got. Life Balance on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. We're going behind the business now, looking at F&B. And so many of us, myself included, have had these little fantasies of like, oh, if I was to open a cafe, this is what I'd serve. And so I'd call it the reality of the restaurant business is somewhat different, incredibly competitive and telling us more about what we need to know. And it's interesting to go in as consumers as well as potential business people. Uh, delighted to be joined by Gabrielle Mather. She is the CEO and founder of the UA-based Restaurant Secret Inc. So 
uh, decades of experience when it comes to restaurant consultancy, looking at trend prediction, and yes, offering advice to those who are looking to get into the business. A question here from Khaled that's come in for you, Gabrielle, saying, is opening a cafe a bad idea in Dubai? Do we have too many? And would a mall or an independent location be better? Sounds like Khaled's making plans. What, uh, what comes to mind when it comes to cafes in particular? Uh, very interesting. Cafes for me would be a place that serves coffee. Um, and specialty coffee is such a big thing in the market. It's been there for a while and I believe it's here to stay because it's a very cultural thing. Mm-hmm. So um, we will always be able to accommodate a good cafe. The whole point is differentiation in any business. So there's, oh, I, I will say there is always room for another one if you have something that differentiates you from the rest. And Looking at the condition of uh, oversupply, people do get scared. But I say oversupply is also an indicator. When there's competition, when there's a huge thing, it also means there's demand. Mm-hmm. So understanding your market, understanding, again, all the implications, how do you differentiate yourself and your brand would be the way to go rather than worrying about is that the, you know, should I open a restaurant or a cafe? Can we talk social media? Um, because to my mind, when food photography is done well, it's amazing. When it's done badly, it's stomach turning. Uh, when you're consulting with groups, how much emphasis are you trying to, well, trying to put on the importance of social media, marketing, PR, um, when it comes to either doing it themselves or bringing in the professionals? I think it's so important that I actually launched a second consultancy this year called the Cornerstone 61 Consultancy that focuses purely on brand management, managing your brand after it opens. Mm -hmm. And when I say brand management, it's all about being social. It's about being in the right places. And um, the good thing about social media is that you have a wide reach. People are online. Every statistic points out to your target market being on different channels, maybe Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. LinkedIn, uh, YouTube, people are out there, all of us. So not being present online would be criminal. At the same time, content is king. So what are you putting out there? With the way we have so much to watch and so many things attacking us, uh, we have such a short span to get someone's attention in. Mm. If we miss that, then we're just spending, not investing, but wasting and spending our money on social media and then blaming the fact that it doesn't work. I think we've got to be wise. We've got to have good content. We've got to um, be able to communicate what we want to say and do it right. Because that's what something we saw really crucially coming out of the pandemic is we we were very lucky here in Dubai that restaurants were only closed for a very short amount of time compared to internationally. But there was this massive bounce back when we could go back out to restaurants. And it was the ones that had continued to engage with their customers during that time that seemed to see the biggest footfall. It was the ones who were saying, this is what this is what we're doing. This is what we're serving. We're working on this. You know, you might not be able to come in, but we can send to you. And it was that communication and community, I think, that, that really kept so many places open when, unfortunately, so many had to close their doors. Absolutely right. And I want to speak about two points there. One is we say when you're not doing well is when you should be marketing. That's the time when you don't, you know, you don't stop. And when you're doing well, you do it even more. So I think people who got that during that time, they picked it up. The other thing is the great again, because when, when things attack us, when things go wrong, the first, uh, you know, reaction and fear is to shut things down. And a lot of people shut those things down. But the ones who fought against it and used the tools they had, what did they have at that point? When everybody was stuck at home, all you had was digital. You had online and it was used marvelously 
very well by certain companies. And, you know, light, um, dark kitchens came out, social media picked up uh, a, a lot of uh, interest, and a, a lot of people survived that, yes. What about looking to the future, Gabrielle? I know you've done years and years of consultancy and you get people coming to you saying, I have an idea for this, or what do you think about that? Have there been any trends or ideas where you've thought, not a chance and any that you thought you know what this could be the start of something so special not just for you as an individual but for perhaps the whole Dubai foodie scene yeah you know I've answered that so many times about trends I love that question you know take out the crystal ball and see what's in the yeah. future where are we going to be eating <laughs> well you see the the pandemic has proved to us that we are a survival race you know we, we come back bigger and stronger so this whole dinnertainment um, aspect of, of how we're dining right now. I'm loving it. I don't know how sustainable it will be in the long run, but people are enjoying their time. They're, they're spending money. The economy is moving. I think, I think we will see more of that in different ways coming through. Personally, we've been busy in Kuwait. We've been busy, um, working in Kuwait to bring Dubai trends. I love the fact that Dubai itself is becoming such a brand and a trend for such a long time now that we get um, consult our consultancy requests are more of doing the Dubai thing in other parts of the world. And that is something that I'm unraveling myself. I'm unpacking what is Dubai uh, as a foodie scene. What are the trends here that could go outside? But just generally speaking, I think we are eating smaller portions we are, yeah, we are. We are, I think the buffet and the that culture of a lot of food is is thankfully out of uh, even the the um, brunches we do now are based on small plates coming, eat what you can. I don't I wanna, love that. I don't want to queue for food. I don't yeah. want to queue food at a buffet. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I want to be able to You'd sit rather... down and talk to my friends. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So but I think that's great. The pandemic, I think, played a huge role in that in terms of food safety. But mm. um, also, we're, we're talking a lot more about sustainability and food waste. And that's a very, it's got to be a very conscious decision from a restaurant to say, you know, what? we've got a real part to play. We've got responsibility here to be doing mindful ordering, looking after the bottom line, as well as the food, um, you know, food portions. Um, and it's, again, for us as consumers, we've got a responsibility to not overorder. And, you know, look after our own bottom line and waistline. Um, can I ask you a personal question? Yeah, absolutely. Do you ever switch off if you go out for dinner? Do you are you always kind of with your industry expert hat on? I always switch off. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I, I try to switch off. I try to enjoy uh, the moment, to be in the moment. There are some restaurants I go purely for pleasure, the ones that I love personally. And there are some that I have to go as a consultant to check out because we have so many openings and I need to be on top of things. Um, I, but I take it all in. I absorb it and I take it as a learning curve. And if I can leave a good word, I try to do that. Mm -hmm. But thank God I'm not a reviewer. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. But, that, but I think that's, that raises a really interesting point. We were talking on the show on Friday about our favorite restaurants, of course, in light of Michelin arriving in Dubai just last week. And I really struggle to think of restaurants that I go back to time and time again because I don't go out that much. And when I do, I want to be going somewhere new, perhaps. So for me, kind of long, sadly, gone are the days where I would go back and back and back. Rivington Grill was the one that I would always go back to. And now I go to BB at DIFC more than others. But I think I think a lot of us are just craving those new experiences, that sense of discovery and exploration and plugging into where people are talking about. Bob has asked, what's Gabrielle's favorite restaurant? <laughs> I love I think... it. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> Save me there. Yeah, Bob, I think I've said this so many times that I you, you might think I'm marketing for them, but I'm really not. I, I, I love Amazonico. 
I don't know why. I just keep on going back. For me, it's the whole package from the interiors, the music, the food, the ambiance. I appreciate music and ambiance mm-hmm. uh, with food. So I love Amazonico. I also love Sushi Samba. I've only been there twice, but the experience was good there. We had Chef Moon on the show on Friday. He's off to Brazil to bring back some recipes and maybe a few dancers. So yeah. he's got me excited thinking about Sushi Samba on the palm as well. And that's exa- and that comes back to what you were saying. It's not just about the food. We don't just go out to eat. We go to, well, I go to eavesdrop on other people and guess if they're in an unhappy marriage or a happy first date. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we go for music. We go for the opportunity to get dressed up and we go to escape. That's what often what, what what restaurants and food do. It's celebration and communication and escapism. So uh, long may it continue. Gabrielle, for anyone who does want to find out more, and as I said, we have had a number of messages asking about the practicalities of opening restaurants in Dubai. What's the best way of getting in touch with you guys at Restaurant Secrets, Inc.? Well, we are on, uh, as expected, on almost every social platform. So you you can get us on our website, which is restaurantsecrets.com. Um, we have an Instagram handle that I believe is the same. I hope it is. <laughs> uh, but I think if you Google Restaurant Secrets, you will find Instagram, LinkedIn. You'll find me um, and you'll have access to getting in touch with me directly on LinkedIn or through the company, through the office. Thank you so much. Really interesting to get your take and your recommendations as well. Gabrielle Mather speaking to us there from Restaurant Secrets. Life Balance on Afternoons with Helen Farmer.